0: welcome to the echo cast i am bon and this is the podcast talking about all of the news reviews and speculation about video games on all platforms and almost every genre This week we will be talking about E3 2022 is cancelled, PlayStation Plus details, The Division 2's PTS for new content, new GPU news, and more. If you're on Discord, please join the show's channel. Link is in the description so we can talk about games, the podcast, sports, anything else that you fancy. Subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to my YouTube, check out my Twitch, check out my Twitter. We'll talk about all of that at the end. But come say hi. Jumping right into the gaming news. So, uh, as of today, or I think it was yesterday on Thursday, we're recording this on Friday, uh, E3 2022 has been canceled. Um, In January, uh, E3 had already said that they were not going to have a physical event, uh, but it did seem to suggest a digital event, much like 2021, would still be happening. On uh, this Thursday, uh, yesterday, Uh, Various reporting confirmed that there will be no 2022 E3 at all and that there are no current comments on whether it could be back in 2023, though I will say I've heard multiple sources now um, say that they are planning next year already. So whatever that means, this is uh, by they, I mean the ESA and that's who actually does E3. And that's actually the part of E3 that like everyone hates. So because they're kind of shady and they're not doing a very good job and they like doxed like everyone who's ever gone to E3 a year or two ago. So that sucks. Uh, So uh, what does this mean for game coverage this summer uh, since E3 is kind of that staple? Um, It basically means that Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest will get um, a lot more of the spotlight um, and you have to consider that, uh, Xbox, Sony, um, Nintendo, Ubisoft, EA, um, even though that's a different story, um, that they're all gonna basically do their own thing probably now, if it's anything like last year, um, even with E3, uh, Jeff Keighley still kind of did his own thing. And what I'm guessing is that this year, like Sony and Xbox will probably do their own deals. But they will probably coordinate with Jeff and kind of make sure people aren't stepping on each other's toes and things like that which I think is a good thing um, you don't want the Sony show to be two hours before the Xbox show now all the platform warriors would probably love that um, but you know you want everyone to have their time in the in the sun right so my, my take on this is I think it's a bummer I know the ESA has a lot of issues um, I, I know that you know the, the, the words, you know, the, the letter and number E3 means a lot more to gaming than the actual conference probably does. Um, and probably more than it deserves anymore. Um, but it is, it's still a staple, at least to people my age, older folks. Um, so it's a bummer. Um, I went to E3 in 2018 as an Ubisoft star player where I saw the division two revealed as well as a bunch of other really cool stuff. Um, And my honest take is that the actual E3 conference is way overcrowded. It's hot. The lines were insanely long for anything, including as a star player. It was hard for me to get on the sticks with division two at E3, even though like I was, you know, they had flown me there and the whole point, like we had our own line and I still had a hard time playing it. I got plenty of time to play it. I'm not going to complain, but it's just for someone, at least like me, who doesn't love crowds, who doesn't love loud, noisy places like for hours and hours. Um, it was honestly, E3 was kind of a nightmare to be straight up um, for me. What I actually appreciated um, uh, where I think the conference itself isn't really all that glamorous. It is still really cool. Like, especially when you would walk into the main like rotunda area, where like that had all the steps that led to all the different halls and you see all this stuff and you see all these people and you see people walking by who you've like watched their youtube videos or um, things like that um <clears throat> the actual showcases are cool um i got to attend the ubisoft showcase of course which was in this really just absolutely beautiful theater and i mean it was really cool like it was that was very fun and it was a cool event you know, it was air conditioned. It, well, it felt it was nice, and I obviously got to see games I cared about. So, like, I do, I do think missing out on that organized structure of E3 taking place over a, 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 a small number of days, and knowing that Sony's going to hit this time, Xbox is going to hit this time, Ubisoft's hitting this, Square Enix is doing that. You know, with with the summer game fest, we'll probably have something like that. But, you know, all of these companies aren't going to condense it into a week. They're going to try to make sure that they spread it out over the whole summer. And like for me as a podcast, that's great. (laughs) I'll take it. That's going to be very fortuitous to me because I'm not going to have to try to cover two months of coverage in uh, in one show in an hour. Right. Um, I'll be able to, you know, have content. But as a fan, you want the dump, you know, and so. Um, I I'm curious to see what's going to happen. The, the only thing about it, I, the, the thing I really don't like about it is that, uh, you knew that all those, especially these big companies, like they kind of had to have their shit together and they had to like, have it ready for that week. So, and they had to bring something because like say EA didn't bring anything that that's a bit, oh man, like what's wrong with EA? Like what's going on? Why don't they have anything? Right. And so, um, I, 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 th- I i'm gonna miss the spectacle um what happens to e3 i don't know i there's a lot of people who just don't believe that esa can get it together and really modernize the show it, it does seem like they they've really struggled um i want to say it was with 2016 or 17 was when they started letting the public come in on like a limited basis. In 18 when I went was when they I think they sold like 60,000 tickets to the public which was like twice as many or three times as many as the year before. And then in 2019 the last in person one, I think it was even more. It was like 200,000 or something. It was some crazy number. And um and it was just too much cuz I even got to go during the early access period and it was a nightmare. It was still slammed. So You know, E3 and the ESA is really going to have to decide, like, you know, do we want to be a do they want to go back to their roots and become a like a professional event, a, um, uh, you know, like where it's 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 focused on getting, you know, people who are in the business into one place to show each other all their cool stuff and to try to build those relationships and to be a place to. market and to um you know connect and things like that and and probably creators and stuff like that or do they want to flip it completely and be something like a gamescom and be a you know uh, an, an event for fans um that you know and that's what it's for right because they've been straddling that line and they haven't really been successful with either so um and and that's to say like if there even is another one I think that the ESA next year will try to do a hybrid physical and digital event. They've already also said that in some in in some ways. And I think um, I it's this the way this summer goes is really going to determine whether or not they'll even have an audience or people who want to be a part of their show because I believe what happened in, in 2019 and maybe even 20, uh, 2021, um, in 2020, God's times a concept, right? Um, is that they, they had been like jacking their costs way up. They were charging so much money, um, you know, for a, for a space on the floor or for a showcase and things like that. And it was, it was really pushing away. It was pushing away small companies that couldn't afford it. And the money wasn't worth it to them. And then it pushed away big companies um, like Sony, you know, because they said, well, why do we want to pay all this money and share the stage when we can just go across the street and do our own thing, which is what Microsoft does, even though Microsoft was still kind of willing to work with them, but they, it's not like Microsoft was doing their show at E3. They did it literally across the street in the Microsoft arena. (laughs) Like, um, and so they, so they're going to have to make some big decisions and, um, you know, last year was fine, but it was very disjointed, even with Keely, even with E3 still technically happening. It was kind of all over the place, and um there were some good shows, there were some awful shows, and it just felt weird. And so, as much as the ESA does suck, as much as E3 isn't what everyone remembers it to be, I still do think it serves a purpose. And I think that it um, you know, even if it turns into a thing where maybe it's a smaller event, and maybe, you know, even the big publishers and devs and stuff like use it as like a preview event. And they, and they, they don't do a, you know, an hour long show showing all their stuff. They do a 20 minute show that leads to a hour and a half show. They do a month later. I could see that maybe happening. Maybe, you know, scaling it down, not making it as big of an event. And then what they could do, what ESA could do with that, make it small, make it personal, you know, try some new stuff. And, you know, don't try to blow the roof off and then they can try to let it naturally grow again and see what actually works and doesn't instead of just throwing the whole kitchen at the wall and seeing what sticks, because that's what it kind of seems like they were doing uh, in the last couple of years. So E3 rip, uh, I hope we see you again, uh, but if not, I guess we'll survive. Uh, the second story I want to talk about here is the division two season nine PTS So I suspect that many of you who are still listening to me are probably Division fans, though I have been starting to hear uh, from some people who aren't, uh, who are newer to the show since I switched. So welcome to all. Um, But we have some Division stuff to talk about for the first time in quite a while. So that's what we're going to do. So on wednesday uh, massive slash ubisoft announced that there would be a pts starting on april 1st testing a new mode and other changes to the game as well as new gear and guns Um, this is for the the, this upcoming title update that was supposed to come out in december and then supposed to come out in february and now is probably going to come out in late april early may is my guess um So the new mode that they're talking about is countdown Um, It is a 15 minute session based eight player PVE mode uh, taking place in the nuclear power plant uh, near New York, I believe Um, it's a fictional place, but I I believe that's what they were going for, Uh, and it has randomized and dynamics uh, objectives, enemies and pathing through the map. Um, the, the new gear involves some new, uh, new like equipment and guns, uh, including exotics named items and regular items. Um, there are also some, uh, big, uh, fairly big changes to the game, uh, that they're definitely trying to kill some metas. They're probably just going to create other metas, but we'll talk about that eventually. But it especially seems like, uh, the shield meta that's been going on for like two years, basically, um, if not longer, is getting punched right in the balls. So, um, you know, whether or not uh, the the next meta that comes along is going to be any uh, more tolerable, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I've seen people like Bronson M4 already speculating on that, um, feeling like the shield meta is only going to get dropped for a pulse meta. Um, That's, there's always going to be a meta. And I think if the meta is going to be a fast time to kill with a pulse skill rather than a long time to kill with a shield. I'm I'm just going to throw out that that's something I'm actually interested in playing. Um, I enjoyed early division two PVP and division one when time to kill was very fast because it felt like a shooter and it didn't feel like a shield shooting simulator. Um, so we'll see. Um, so I've played, uh, We'll get into it, but I, I've, I've gotten to play. I want to say four or five rounds of Countdown now, and I've dabbled in some of the other systems, but I'm mostly just going to talk about Countdown. Um, so the issues I'm having uh, to get that out and out of the way is mostly an oversight um, for players who don't have Warlords of New York, the DLC, um, on their character on PC. Um, th- this is only a PC uh, PTS, as they have been all but one. Um, I have some strong feelings about that, but we'll maybe get into that in a minute. Um, But uh, I have Division 2 on PC. I was given it by Ubisoft, but I've played like six hours of it and I I don't have an in-game character. I never bought Warlords for it because I play on Xbox. I have a Series X. I like playing on controller anyways for those for third person games. Uh, And so that's where I play. And since they don't do the PTS on there. Uh, what happened and what and what's going on and i doubt they'll be able to fix it is when you log on to the pts um you you have whatever that they've carried over they've taken a snapshot at some point in the last week or two and they've carried your account from the regular game to the pts well, the problem for me is my regular game character on pc is only like level six right and i don't have warlords so what happens is you can you can make a new character and it gives you a level 40 in-game warlords of new york character right and you can go and you can play a round of countdown this new mode the problem is is that when uh when you finish it when you extract or if you get a delta error it logs you out of the session If you get a Delta, you have to log out of the session, which means that that character now, because you don't have warlords, you can't log back in. You can't spawn back in because it's trying to spawn you into a warlord's area or a warlord's required area. So your character's locked. It literally says locked on your character and you have to delete them or you you do. You get into a match and you play a whole round for 15 minutes or whatever it is. And, um, and you finish it you hit the end screen you see everyone extract and you try to get back to the main menu and it's trying to i think it's gonna i think it's trying to load you into a warlord's required area but you don't have warlords so it locks you up at, at the 100 percent loading screen and you have to quit and then you have to delete that character and start a new one so all the gear you pick up like even like the way division one was is that you could start in the pts you could start a new character and they just gave you a bunch of gear And it would be end game level. And so you could just jump in. They would give you all the gear to test. So you could just load it up. And it was great. Um, And the problem with this is that every time you start this new character, they didn't really give you that much good gear to test. So you don't even get to improve your PTS character with this gear that you get from the rounds. Because you have to delete your character every time you finish a round. And so that's why I'm dealing with. And that's why I'm a little frustrated with the whole thing. Getting that out of the way i wanted to give that uh that 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 context the actual mode itself is fine countdown is okay um my issue to just jump right out at it is that it seems like a mode that if it would have come out like last summer so we had warlords of new york come out in 2020 in march and then we had a year of Seasons one, two, three, and four, culminating in Falao's manhunt, um, and they were okay. But the, the the last main, the last content that came out was Warlords. The seasons were part of Warlords, and they were okay, especially the third and fourth season. I think were pretty good, but they were pretty light in everything, right? So I I look at it in that we haven't had new content since Warlords, like big substantial content, and so with this this patch of this this title update is coming this new mode this other stuff they're doing it's the first new content in over two years as far as i consider it and the problem is is that say this countdown mode and this title update and some of these changes they're doing would have come like last like july so you would have had the failout manhunt end i think in march of 2021 and then say in july they would have dropped this content in July or even August. I, when people, there were still people who were engaged, they were maybe replaying the seasons or whatever. I think that would have been pretty good because I think you would have still had a pretty substantial player base, or at least people who were recently in the player base within the last couple months, who would be willing to come back and try a new mode that isn't gonna blow your socks off, but is something different to do. And, um, something new, the problem is, is now we're looking at, you know, this isn't going to come, you know, the final version of countdown, which I'll talk more about won't come until the end of April or beginning of May, um, which is, you know, a year in some months past the, you know, the failows man hunt and it's two years and some months since warlords. And so the problem is, is that, i understand because i have had conversations and i've heard things and i you know little birds have talked in my ear and and said like they basically stopped working on division two after warlords besides a support team who trick and the and some of these people who obviously have still been on the project um, i think bruce for a while and things like that uh, who were basically trying to get the seasons to be better the manhunts right uh, to feel better to play to be more rewarding But they weren't like making major new content and as we saw with the culmination of failow's manhunt being disappointing that that final mission is obviously unfinished right like anyone who's a division two fan and played that final that culminating mission like there's no way that was the intended ending of that story right and and that's because i now am under the impression and have reason to believe that the majority of the division two team very soon after warlords came out, got moved to what we now know is the star Wars project. because Ubisoft was done with division two, the, I, the fail manhunt was supposed to be it. That was supposed to be the end of division two content. They probably will, will, have reran the seasons, the manhunts anyways, but with no changes, probably the exact same thing over and over, just like they're doing with division one right now. Okay. And then I'm under the impression that, so, um, Warlords came out in 20, March of 20. Uh, Lao's Manhunt ended in March of 21. And that was supposed to be it. And at that time, I am not under the impression there was like a full development team on the game. And there hadn't been for a while in March of 21. And And it was, I believe, shortly before that, that there was essentially a like come to Jesus meeting where... Ubisoft basically met with Massive or you know some heads came together and said, "Hey, are we going to make more content for Division 2 or not or is that going into you know sustain mode?" And what essentially came from that was Warlords did really well. I'm under the impression that Warlords of New York had better um a better like player base, like like more people playing it um as a paid DLC than 1.8 did as a free title update with Division 1. And to a lot of people, 1.8 was like a culminating moment for Division 1. And I, I've seen people still say that they think that it's better than Division 2. So I, I disagree, but to each their own. And so obviously Warlords did good enough for them to keep, you know, to keep making more Division 2 content. But the problem is, is that it'd been months since they had a full team on the game. They weren't like working on stuff, big stuff for the future. They, you know, it seems like the devs thought the game was over or, or, or done. They, or they weren't thinking about it cause they're, they had a new project. And so now we know from bits and bobs here, people like Yannick and, and some other people who are still, I believe trick and uh, Pele and some other people um, have been working, you know, with Ubisoft Bucharest, who's a support studio to make this content that we're now getting. And so, you know, if they would have, if this content would have started after Warlords of New York came out and they didn't have to build a new team from scratch and they didn't have to start from new, essentially, this probably would have been done in five or six months. And, and you know, it probably would have been ready by August of 2021. And um, and I think that would have been a great place for this content. I think it would have been cool. The problem is, is that now we're over a year past that, and and the type of content that needed to come out this year for division two was another warlords of new york type update and that's not going to happen it's not even a time constraint it's because i'm under the impression warlords got put together fast like in a few months but that's because they had probably a full development team on it you know that did all the voice acting and did everything. i mean they they you know it, it came together very quickly is what i've been told and but that was because of the size of the team that worked on it. And um and they just didn't have that for this, obviously. And so it's like it's not even discounting countdown. I, I don't have this countdown mode. You get in with seven other people, you match make it, uh you do two objectives that are like sub-objectives, and that opens up a main objective. So really the whole idea, I think, is that the two teams of four each do a a lower the sub objective and when you both complete it you meet together for the main objective so it's just it's stuff that we've seen before it's nothing really that crazy or unique um, but it's cool in a cool spot and then after you complete the main objective of that 15 minute round you extract and then they put a bunch of roadblocks in your way to get out including hunters and black tusk and other stuff and so a year ago give or take this would have been fine, but now where the game is today, I suspect the player base is okay, but it's got to be fairly low of the normal game of the, the, the full release game. And when you do content like this, I would assume at least Ubisoft is hoping that this is going to bring a lot of people back. And my issue with countdown is that countdown seems like really good content for people who never gave up the dream for people who never stopped playing, who are still playing, who are replaying the seasons and who are, you know, still really into the game and aren't burned out. But for someone like me, who kind of feels burned out and, and, you know, this, this isn't enticing to me. I, um, I I I I I think it's interesting and I've liked when I've gotten to play it before having to make a new character. It's it's fine. It's just I don't think it provides me any new experiences. Uh you know, it's I'm killing the same enemies I was killing 2 years ago. I'm you know hitting the same buttons I hit 2 years ago. I'm seeing the same things I saw 2 years ago. And Like this would have been a really good opportunity for them to introduce a new faction. This would have been a new, a good opportunity for them to introduce new enemy archetypes. Um, This would have been a good opportunity for them to show us some new stuff because what I think countdown provides isn't all that more interesting than I can just go run some control points. And and I don't think I'm going to get that different of an experience basically besides the hunters but then even that if you run enough control points you hit rogue agents which in my opinion in division two are almost cooler than the hunters they're more fun to fight i think and then there's also like a cheapness to the hunters where like so i believe and i would need to go back and watch footage again but when you try to extract i believe each player gets a hunter spawned so there's like you know more than a half dozen hunters running around And the thing about the hunters is they're supposed to be these ultimate enemies, these, you know, boogeymen. And when there's eight of them running around and you're mowing them down, they just seem like another gold enemy, another elite, you know. Um, And there's a whole conversation to have about how they're definitely going to basically be portraying the hunters as Black Tusk now, um, which is fine. That's been kind of hinted and suggested in the last couple of seasons anyways, but i don't know it's there's nothing wrong with countdown uh it's a fine little mode um i'm just kind of afraid like it's better than kinley college which would have been perfect for this mode by the way uh, obviously it's not simple to just take other content and just jam your new mechanics into it i i understand that but like I feel like what Countdown is didn't like even need a new map. They could have done Countdown anywhere on the New York map, on DC map. Like they could have basically like used existing areas for this, and it would have probably been more interesting. Instead of trying to make this one place do multiple, th- um. so the, the idea is that every time you play Countdown, you're gonna have a different set of enemies to start. They're gonna have their own different objective. I'm sure there's only a handful of them. So they'll be, you know, you'll get, oh yeah, they're doing, it's it's this one. And then there's supposed to be different pathing to the way that you get to these objectives. But it's, you know, like it, it, it's, you're going to memorize everything. It's it's going to be repetitive sooner than later, right? And so instead of even having this map or or maybe do this map, but then also put this mode that it could take place at the jfk center like it could take place in places that we've already played just to give some variety to this mode because if this mode is just this one map i mean yeah it technically is dynamic but it it won't feel like that forever it won't feel like that for more than a week probably and so i don't know it's i I don't want to discount the work um these people have obviously been you know killing themselves over getting this work done they've had to delay it and they've had to do stuff like like the 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 last thing i'll say so i can move on here and not rant too much is like i don't blame massive um i have the the fortune of getting to hear little stories behind the scenes and to get some perspective that most players don't um and so I understand why this is what it is. And I appreciate it. I appreciate what it is. I, it's, it's not bad content. It's just not great. And I think when you've gone over a year, um, in my opinion, over two years without substantial content for this franchise that I think should be Ubisoft's number two franchise behind Siege. It just sucks. I feel bad. I'm sure the devs, this is one of those situations where I wouldn't be surprised if they agree in a lot of ways. But, like, you see, you know, like, Assassin's Creed getting these crazy expansions, like, every, like, six months. And I'm sure they have a giant team on it because they invested in it. Like, before Valhalla came out, they had, like, a multi-year plan to put out an insane amount of content. And with the sales that Division 1 and 2 had, I just don't understand why Ubisoft treats the Division like it's for honor or something where for honor might get more content than the division does i but like one of their lower selling brands when it sells like they're big boys um i talked about it before it, it definitely i definitely think that there's some um very clear animosity um between ubisoft and massive i'm curious to if david polfelt leaving is going to change that maybe um it, it seems like from his own book that he may have been part of some of that animosity, not really his fault, but due to some personality clashes at Ubisoft in, uh, with him and Massive and Ubisoft. Um, it's just, it's a bummer. Like, this mode is fine. It's cool. And I'll play it. Um, but it's not going to bring me back full time. Um, you know, I'll play it for a couple days or a week or two and then I'll be gone. And that sucks because that's like 9, 10, 11 months of work. Uh, and, and and I'm not representing everyone, obviously, but I just try to look at this as, a, as a, the perspective of someone who hasn't really played Division that much in like two years. I'm waiting. I've been waiting and waiting for something to grab me and pull me back. And I don't think this is it. And I think a lot of other people like me are going to feel the same way they've heard about it they've seen some stuff they might oh that's kind of neat i'll check it out oh, okay this is fine and then they're going to go back to whatever they left for in the first place there's going to be some diehards i've already seen people being like this is the coolest thing ever and it's like and that's great like that's that's fine i think that's a weird assessment because it's a pretty basic thing i i don't think it's that big of a deal i i, I think it's um just another mode. Um, And then Yannick has said that, you know, instead of having some big blockbuster release, they're playing on, you know, having multiple like medium things like like things that are really cool, but not in one big fell swoop. I, I, I don't believe that that's what they would prefer. I, 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 I suspect that they would have loved to have another Warlords of New York job with a, a whole new city and a whole new story and all that, but they don't have the devs or the time or the budget to do that. And, um, and so it's cool that they're going to release more content, but like, you know, they, they, I think in the the place where the game is right now, the the division two, um, it it either needed a warlords of New York style drop, something big and bombastic and exciting that would legitimately bring people back into even pay money for it. Or they should have just reran the seasons and started working on division three. Is my opinion. Um, and if that didn't come out for four more years, then so be it, because they're not going to have a full development team available. I doubt they're going to use the Avatar team for another Division game. I think they're going to stay on Avatar. That's supposed to be a multi release game, like supported for multiple years with a full team. And so that leaves the former Division 2 team who's on Star Wars. And as far as I know, that game's still in pre production or it's at least an early production. And so that game's not going to release for two more years. And so there's a change. Like I just, and I don't think heartland is going to be it. We'll talk about that more later when, you know, that's a more publicized thing, but um, I don't know. I don't want to be a downer. This content isn't bad. It's just not, it's not, it's just not amazing. Um, And I think the division two needed amazing right now. So we'll see. Next story. PlayStation Plus Game Pass competitor has been revealed. So the, the legendary Spartacus has finally shown its its face. Um, so basically PlayStation showed off their updated version of uh, PlayStation Plus this week with three tiers um, offering various features and perks. You can go look up everything exactly. Uh, I, I'm not the first person to talk about it. Um, it's been... Received well by PlayStation fans, of course, just like anything, you know, everyone's a fan of their own stuff, right? Um, but it seems like there's kind of a general consensus that it's kind of like a okay thing. Um, the main complaints seem to be that first party games will not be uh, a day one thing like uh, like they are with the Xbox Game Pass. And the backwards compatible thing, which uh, for PS3, a lot of people have been asking for um, as a very quick... Explanation of that situation, PlayStation one and two and four games are on like a normal PC architecture. So they can do backwards compatibility, like really easy with them. Cause they run off the same architecture. PS3 use a thing called a cell processor. That is a completely different uh, computer architecture that nothing else uses. So that means that when you try to run the games that were designed for PS3, on regular computers, because like the PS5, 4, 1 and 2 are all just basically little computers like like you have on your desk or your laptop where the PS3 wasn't. It was a completely different style of computer that doesn't work with anything else they have to basically make a little PS3 inside your PS5 if they want true backwards compatibility. PS4 couldn't do it, didn't have enough power. And even the PS5 would struggle because even high-end PCs struggle to emulate PS3 games. Um, and it just basically seems like, you know, so, so they aren't doing native backwards compatibility with PlayStation um, This Plus. It's all streamed. So if you want to play a PlayStation 3 game, you have to stream it. And that's the only way they probably basically have PS three set up or emulator set up on a server and you play them off of that. And, um, that's not how it works with Xbox with Xbox. You can download even Xbox 360 games, which were also a unique architecture, but Xbox dropped millions of dollars and probably years of development, uh, to make their, um, to, to, emulate. And, uh, that's something Sony just doesn't seem like they think they need to do, which is a choice um so there's been a lot of pushback on all of that um and the price i think i think the top tier is like 18 bucks a month which uh, seems like a lot Um, they do actually have annual plans which the game pass doesn't and the annual plans are a little bit cheaper Um, but a lot of people don't really count that because a lot of people don't drop that 150 bucks straight up Uh, most people pay monthly and so um it's interesting, uh, And then the day one game thing with releasing their first party games day one, um, the PlayStation leadership threw out like some of the most like hilarious, like Corpo, uh, you know, big business speak ever and saying like, we don't want to, uh, we, we wouldn't be able to afford to invest in our games the way we want to if we put our first party games on this service. And um, I mean, definitely taking, you know, stabs at Xbox, um, which maybe right now is a little bit deserved, but um <clears throat> It, it just it really I think PlayStation plus is kind of underwhelming I don't think it's that exciting um it, it seems like there's some stuff in there and there's potential you know they, they could they could change things they could um, in, in the long run I, I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually look more like game pass than they do than they will at first um but I think the what's really interesting about this is that it really highlights how Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, are going three different directions um i I think nintendo is doing their own thing they're basically doing like the mobile game thing but with really high quality first party titles and they and even though they have this ancient machine that runs games like crap it's still it still outsells everyone else and they sell millions and millions of copies of their games and they're legendary so all the power to them Um, you've got sony who to me is just is staying old school you know, they want to sell consoles they want to sell their 70 dollars first party games only on their system no pc no you know playstation plus you're going to pay 70 bucks because our games are freaking awesome and they are that's an absolute fact um but th- there is not much of a what seems to be a consideration for um, kind of moving on with the times like a lot of others are and then you have xbox who i think has resigned that they aren't going to sell more consoles playstation's gonna outsell their consoles And in lieu of that, they've said, okay, we're going to let you play our games on PC. We're going to let you play them on all of our Xboxes. And we're going to let you play them on your phone by streaming. It's just that they basically, they're basically taking the opposite thing of we don't, you know, if if we sell consoles, like obviously they want to sell consoles and they are, they're selling them well. But they, they obviously realize that they're not going to win that race. And so now instead they are. letting you play these games literally anywhere and if you have game pass you can play them day one even if it's halo even if it's hellblade 2 even if it's starfield even if it's the next call of duties if that deal goes through and things like that um very different idea and i think in the long run i i i think xbox is future-proofing their business much better than sony is but i don't think sony cares because sony's making a lot of money right now because they make a bunch of really good games and they make good hardware and i think that in the long run they're gonna wish that they would have moved on with the times a little bit faster but i don't think that they care about that right now because their pocketbooks are full and um, i'll be really curious to see how it's really like the next gen and it feels so dirty to talk about the next generation of consoles already, but. I mean, the current gen, the PS5 and Series X and S have been out for like a year and a half, two years. There's probably refreshes coming in the next two years for both of them. Maybe not. The last gen got refreshes because their hardware sucked from day one. The PS5 and Xbox Series X are legitimately great machines, and we haven't seen their peak yet, especially with this AMD FSR 2.0 and probably further iterations you know these machines probably have longer lives than the last ones did but still it's it's going to be interesting to see how these three divergent paths go over the next like 10 years in gaming um i'm curious i'm I'm very curious because Nintendo's kind of going with the mobile thing Xbox is going with the cloud thing and Sony is going with the old school thing and VR still not that big of a deal but it could be so we'll see next story is talking about the intel arc gpus are being revealed um so if you don't know if you're not into desktop computers or computers and stuff right now if you want to play games on a computer you need a graphics card you've you've at least heard about that because they're insanely expensive and they're hard to find and all this well there's really only two companies right now that you can get graphics cards from who make the cards there's a bunch of companies who like make their own revisions but for the most part it's amd and nvidia amd is kind of known as like the the underdog but they're pretty damn good their their processors are amazing their gpus are are a step back from nvidia uh, but they tend to be cheaper a little easier to find Um, they don't have quite as much tech if you've heard of dlss and some of this stuff we'll talk about that another day Nvidia is kind of the big dog. They have been for a long time and they know <laughs> the, the way they just released and we'll talk about it next, uh, like a $2,300 card where it's just wild, which is like a thousand dollars more than a good PC used to cost. It's crazy. Like the whole thing, but whatever. Um, and so now Intel, um, is trying to get into this race. Uh, they're going to start way behind. Um, but their Intel, like they have the know-how, they have the tech, they have, you know, they 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 can do it. It's just it's gonna be a hard market to tap into, but um this is probably a good time to do it. So this Intel Arc is what they're calling their GPUs, their graphics cards, um, and right now they've actually already released um, their mobile versions and some laptops already. Um, but the big thing that people care about, that gamers care about, are the discrete cards, or the ones that you plug into a desktop, and um, and those are starting to be revealed. So. Um, They haven't had like a big showcase. I don't think that they've even done like a uh, where they've given uh, cards to like Gamers Nexus or Linus Tech Tips or some of these testing like YouTube channels and creators to start doing that stuff. But we've seen the card. And I think the naming convention is going to be similar to what they do with their processors with Intel. They have uh, like the i5, i7, i9, like they have all those. Um, I believe it's almost the exact same structure for the GPUs. And at the end of the day, this is a good thing. Um, and it's interesting because if some upstart tried to do this, they would fail. You need billions of dollars of investment to to break into this market, right? And, and Intel has it, right? And right now is a great time to get into it because their competition is probably AMD. They're probably going to try to be out AMD because it's, it's going to be hard for them to be out NVIDIA with some of the tech they have and stuff like that they're gonna have to catch up but this the thing is that if if their cards are on the shelf people are gonna buy them because the whole graphics card situation is getting a little bit better supposedly i did just get a 3060 ti super happy about it um i sold my 2080 super um and but availability is tough right now and if these art cards come out and they're decent even if they're just okay they're gonna sell like crazy and they're gonna get customers and people are gonna remember that Um, and hell if they stick with it in the long run they could be in the running for when xbox makes their next console they aren't just gonna call amd and say hey do you want to be our you know the gpu and the the, uh, the the processor in our next system uh, because they can't call nvidia for that because nvidia doesn't do cpus but there very well may be a conversation by the time the next xbox comes out especially with microsoft's relationship with intel that microsoft may call intel and say hey do you want to do your processors and your gpus in our next gaming system and then that turns into millions and millions and millions of guaranteed sales um and so and that hopefully will drive down prices and help out help advancement you know then these companies really have to start working for us where there's not just two there's three um you know competition's a good thing and right now there's not too much of it in the in the in the graphics card space which leads us to our next story uh, that reviews for the 3090 Ti have started to come out, or uh, the legendary 3090 Ti, as the NVIDIA uh, spokesperson called it in one of their announcement videos, which is so cringy. But um, So they've gotten some of these cards um, into the hands of reviewers, and the feedback isn't great. Um, so these, these cards are ridiculous. They put out so much graphical power, and that's not why people don't like them. People don't like them because the MSRP for these is over $2,000. The actual ones being sold, um, are, are like 22, 23, $2,400. Um, because Nvidia, they typically make, um, what's called a founder card where it's a, it's a card Nvidia makes themselves. And then they sell the rights to their cards, to all these different companies like EVGA and, uh, like Asus, uh, or Asus, um, gigabyte a bunch of companies and then they do all their bits and bobs and put their unique cooling solutions or they uh like they they boost how fast they are and and they do all this goofy stuff and then they charge more well nvidia is not doing a founder card for the 3090 ti which would be two thousand bucks they're just letting all the other companies sell their own versions and so the issue is that what they're finding linus tech tips and gamers nexus and all these 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 channels and creators who put um like testing together to test these cards against other ones are finding that like the 3090 just the base 3090 was 1500 bucks when it came out it's still an epic crap ton of money um but this new 3090 ti that's seven eight hundred dollars more is only performing like percentage like a few percentage points better in, in most ways and most people probably don't think that that's worth seven or 800 bucks um there's also the issue that the 3090 the tie tie and i'm gonna start calling it that ti takes up like a hilarious amount of power um they suggest you have at least an 850 watt um, power unit psu in your in your desktop but i've seen these reviewers saying like you need a thousand you need a thousand watts at least because there's a chance that if this thing's going all out there's a decent chance it's going to take up too much power and your whole system shuts down. So it's um yeah, this has been an interesting release cuz they said they were going to talk more about this a couple months ago and then it was dead silent and then I guess these cards showed up to the reviewers and the thing about these is this is this is a it's a flagship card. Um you know, th- this happens in like like uh car companies where a car company will put out some ridiculous vehicle but they make like 50 of them because they aren't really meant to make they're not they're gonna lose money like you're you're you know if you sell a you know five hundred thousand dollar car and you only make like 50 of them it's a staple it's people are supposed to oh wow that car is made by so and so i'm gonna go buy their thirty thousand dollar car i'm not gonna buy that half million dollar car i'm gonna go buy the one i can actually afford but i remember that company and i think that's kind of what this is i i I don't think nvidia plans on making a lot of money off of these 3090 ti's i think they want them to be talked about because it doesn't It's not that good of a deal. It's kind of a bad deal. Honestly, if you can find a 3090, that's probably worth it. If you can find a 3080 TI for MSRP, that's probably a way better deal. But I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, The next story, we only have, uh, we got two more left after this. Uh, Undead Labs. uh, There's some issues there, or there were some issues. Uh, So a report came out of Windows Central that cited various former employees of the State of Decay developer Undead Labs uh, that the studio suffered from mismanagement and a toxic culture around the time of their Microsoft acquisition in 2018. Uh, It seems that issues are mostly from that time frame and that the current state of the developer is much better. Even the former uh, employees who were cited in this article um, have expressed hope Uh, That the current culture is much, much better and that uh, the game, the game they're working on, State of K3, um, is in good hands and has a lot of potential. Um, So this is kind of funny because I, uh, especially over the last year or so, uh, really, I love Undead Labs, at least what they show us. Um they, they've been supporting State of the K two like in a crazy way. Um it's not really that super popular of a game, but like it seems like every like three months they have some huge update that makes the game better. And then this State of the K three, um, just for some time frames, State of the K two released I think like right before or right after they were acquired. So Microsoft had nothing to do with that game. I suspect Microsoft has a lot to do with them supporting it so well. Um, but they they had no input on that game where state of decay three is going to be developed completely as them as a microsoft studio so you would you assume that that means there's a lot of good stuff happening you know with uh, funding and things like that that they don't have to worry about uh, but it sounds like around the time that they were acquired things were pretty rough and it sounds like it came from the very tippity top um, the person who founded undead labs uh, who left last year uh, it started their own new company, and now that's there's some questionable things happening there. People are worried that maybe that's not a great workplace, and took a bunch of new senior developers with them. And so they think that Undead Labs is in a weird spot right now. They're trying to replace a lot of brain power that they lost. Um, but it does sound like these were issues that used to be an issue. There's like sexism and a lot of really nasty stuff going on. Um, it sounds like it was like a lot of like passive aggressive stuff and not necessarily like physical violence or anything, but it doesn't matter. It still sucks. Right. And, um, yeah, it kind of seems like, uh, those issues may have left with the founder, but unfortunately it sounds like a bunch of their, uh, their talent and stuff also left with that founder. So, um, I'm really excited for state of decay three. Um, I think it's going to be just a super feature-rich, upgraded version of 2, which is fine, because I love 2. I think State of Decay 2 is one of the most underrated games out there right now, especially if you can play it like under Game Pass and things like that. Um, the loop gets old that it is, but it's fun. I, I love that game, and it, it does so many things well. That's It's a, a good-feeling game to play, so... Um, and the last thing I will say is I really didn't love the way the story was portrayed on most of the articles I read up quickly on it. It very much painted this as like a current issue. And then in like the last paragraph of every article was like, Yeah, but things seem like they're okay now. I mean I get it. I, I get how things are and, and that's how the that's how these things have to be portrayed so people can, you know, have their careers. But I don't know. It it definitely made it seem worse. And for people who just read the headlines, they're going to think now Undead Labs is this awful studio that's terrible to work at. When really the story is that it used to be. And now it's okay. But oh well. The quickest story today is Breath of the Wild. uh, Its sequel has been delayed to next year. I remember they had like a tentative like coming in 2022, but they never gave a date. I'm sorry, but games without actual dates can't get delayed. Because they were never, they aren't delayed. They're just coming out later. So that's my thought on that. Okay. So let's jump into a couple of listener questions. If you have your own questions, you can ask in the YouTube comments. You can ask on Twitter. You can ask in my discord. Um, you can, uh, I, I, I give a lot of places for you to, uh, to respond. Um, the first question here is from, is from James Zumwait. I'm sure I mispronounced that. I apologize uh, on Twitter. Uh, what's your favorite e3 video game announcement um honestly and this is gonna seem like a homer pick or something easy it's division one uh the division one announcement was um it was it was just so cool and you know unfortunately it's cited still to this day as like a pure example of ubisoft over promising and under delivering I would still argue that Division 1 ended up being a pretty good game, but it definitely didn't end up being the game that we saw at E3 in 2013. But yeah, that that game, that's the first game. It was when I kind of started to pay attention. Like, I, I've always played games, but it was around that time when I started paying attention to gaming, journalism, and coverage, and things like that. And, um, and yeah, I'll always remember that. A, a, a very close second place would be probably the Division 2 reveal. Um, because I was there. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, that division one reveal was special. And I, I think that there's this tiny part of all of us, and probably the devs too, who really hope that maybe one day they can make that game because I think that's what a lot of us wanted. So it's a great question. Uh Master Prime um was on Discord and asked, Have you tried Xcloud? Um, my experience with XCloud has been interesting. So Um, the only time I've tried xCloud was to use a feature um, where you can play games over the cloud either while you're downloading them or to just test them out and so there were a couple games on game pass that I was like I don't know if I'm gonna play like I don't know if this is my game um, but I want to try it out and see if it is and so I realized like holy crap I can just go and play on the cloud it instantly shoots it to my xbox I can play it with a little bit of lag it's it really wasn't bad though and i was able to figure out nope this game isn't for me so i haven't played like extensively on xcloud but from what i've experienced it's pretty cool it's not perfect i wouldn't want to replace my entire experience with it but in a pinch i think it's pretty cool and i think it's worth um i think it's only going to get better and um with infrastructure issues and stuff like that there may be an upper limit to how good it can get but i think it's a great service what i like about xcloud is that it's not the focus of game pass it's just a cool feature and i don't even know how many people really use it but it's nice that it's there kind of a thing uh, for some content updates, I have very slightly updated the branding of the Echo Cast. Um, I've also updated the merch on the Streamlabs store. I legitimately think the coffee mugs and the hoodies and the t shirts for the Echo Cast look pretty cool. Uh, so you can check down in the description for a link to that. Um, I will be doing some Division 2 coverage with this new stuff that's coming out. Um, but due to the kind of wonky PTS, it's it's hard to cover it right now. I've, I have done a couple of videos over on the YouTube to talk about it. Um, I'll, I'll probably do kind of a recap after the PTS is over to see uh, where they kind of landed and some of the decisions that they maybe changed or were added. Um, but I'm going to be mostly just kind of covering things that I want to cover, which is probably going to be more Mass Effect. So some more Mass Effect speculation and things like that. Um, but especially as we roll into the spring and summer, and as we start getting some of these game announcements and some of these um, publishers start doing their shows and these platforms do their shows, whatever that looks like, um, I'll be excited to cover all that. And um, I'll stream as often as I can. I haven't streamed in a few weeks because of life, um, and and that's probably never going to become. I, I'm never going to be a a a five-day-a-week streamer ever. Um, I'll probably never even be a a three-day-a-week streamer again. Um, My goal is to try to stream every Saturday morning and then whenever I'm able. So uh, I think streaming will become... uh, This podcast is my main focus. Uh, YouTube is probably number two. And then I think the stream is just going to be a thing where if you can stop by and you want to chat, then let's do it. Um, But not something I, I can probably, just with life, can probably ever guarantee again. So... Um, it's not going away. I'm still actually actively updating and uh, tinkering with the stream to try to you know, make it a thing I'm proud of um, and I'm happy to do when I'm able. But yeah, the, the, the days of partnership and all that being the goal, those are probably gone. And I think that's OK. So let's wrap this baby up. Uh, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. And if you want more, please be sure to like the video. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel on any platform. Uh, be notified of new videos on YouTube by hitting the little bell and uh, maybe check out my other content. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch uh, and Instagram. I've actually started using that a bit more as well. Uh, please check out uh, my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the link in the description below. And uh, you can check me out over. You can check that stuff out over on Twitter. That's all I have so, until next time,